Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lost in Plots. This week, we sink our teeth into a special episode with a very awesome guest author. Let us welcome New York Times bestselling author of Anna Dressed in Blood and In Every Generation, Kendara Blake. Hi, guys. <laughs> welcome. Thanks welcome. for having me on. Hey, Kendara. We're so excited that you're here. And my name is Corey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan, as we are every time. Um, but let's get ready to explore all things fangs in fiction as we discuss vampires in literature and beyond. Kendara, thank you for hanging out with us today. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about the vampires. <laughs> well, when I was thinking about who to talk to about vampires, I had I had to think about you first. I mean, you very recently sent me a very cool cameo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, I gave you a cameo from a former vampire. Mm -hmm. You did. We can talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, I, I thought about you first. And then I did a little bit of a deep dive into va early vampire literature. But first, let's kind of define what a vampire is before we go off the rails <laughs> talking about what vampires have become. So vampires are mythical creatures with a thirst for blood. We all know that, right? Are they mythical though? Oh. Oh. Are we gonna get are we gonna go there? Could they be real? <laughs> no, no. They could I'm be just real. kidding. <laughs> but they've long haunted the imaginations of cultures worldwide, and the history of vampire myths can be traced back to ancient civilizations. Um, Mesopotamian, Greek, Roman folk folklore all have vampires, legends, and myths. And these legends have evolved over the centuries, culminating in the iconic figure of Count Dracula from Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula, which I feel like we all know. I think everybody around the world knows Dracula. I recently only read that book a few years ago for the very first time, and it's everything you want. It is exactly what you think it is. It's fabulous. <laughs> I have not read Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I did recently watch Renfield, so I feel like that's close, right? <laughs> Yeah, total, total Cliff's Notes right there. It's either read the book or watch Renfield. <laughs> well, I haven't done the, the latter, so I think we're on point. But yeah, when I was like reading into a little bit before the podcast, like it seems like almost every culture around the globe has some sort of vampiric myth um, within, within their legends. And I just think that's so fascinating that it kind of permeates with all humans. I see how you think you were on to something earlier. Maybe, maybe this wasn't a myth. Maybe vampires were humans adjacent creatures for a very long period of time, and that's where we got the myth from. When I saw things like maybe um, like early cases of rabies in humans or something like that might have like inspired the tales, or who knows? But it's all very fascinating. That's a lot more practical, Corey. <laughs> Probably better to provide the accurate information than it, they could be real. Who knows? Let's. <laughs> I mean, we don't know everything. What I did find fascinating, though, is when I was researching specifically vampiric literature and where that started, I had thought for years that it had begun with Bram Stoker. But then I pulled up a couple of older books, uh, The Vampire from 1819, written by John Polidori. Uh, it's a short story and is considered, often considered the very first vampire tale in English literature. I did specifically look at English literature because I can't read any other language. I'm sure that there's lots. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was another novella called called Carmilla that predated Dracula as well. I feel like Carmilla is getting a resurgence these days. I feel like it's being brought up on more of these vampire lists that I've, I kind of maybe missed 
growing up. Um, but it's it's one I haven't read yet, but it is definitely like I feel like it's coming into the cultural renaissance again. Do you think that has anything to do with the resurgence in dark academia? Oh, probably. <laughs> probably. It all it all goes back to dark academia. I think uh, Carmilla just got like a, a really cool, was it like a graphic novel or something? Oh, I think one of my friends works in comics and she was telling me about just, you know, the amazing artwork and this new Carmilla adaptation. That but, might be yeah, a great way Carmilla to has, absorb the story. Uh, all those great like sapphic undertones. I imagine there's uh, quite a bit of fodder, you know, for revisiting that in multiple ways. There is a lot of, in general, you know, I, I guess what folks used to call like sexual deviation and queerness a lot of the time in vampire stories. I'd like to see more of that. Thank you. I'm speaking to you, Kandara. Oh, <laughs> I'll do my best. This this was an in- interesting thing that I wanted to kind of talk about, though. I wanted to discuss how vampires have turned from a one-dimensional big bad and they still are sometimes, but now they're they're more complex characters, for sure. And I'm kind of wondering where you think that that began. Well, I mean, if you think about early humans, you know, pro- not proto-humans, but like humans who are living in a less technological age, they're very afraid of the dark. Like there was no good lighting. Like dark is scary. Like stuff that we didn't understand was very scary. And... There's just, I feel like there must have just been a constant creeping, ever-present fear of death and different things that could kill you. Whereas now, you know, we get to be a little more navel-gazy. We're a little bit safer. Um, We can explore things that can be dangerous without, you know, feeling a real threat. Then we just, you know, we all get to be a little bit goth and and, uh, romanticize the dark in a way that early people probably, that was not a luxury they had. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. When I was trying to think about this, and I don't have like a specific moment, but kind of playing off your point, like where humans were afraid of the dark before because you couldn't escape from it. It also, vampirism has always had this taboo-ness about it. Like it's always been, maybe not from the very, very early days, but kind of sexual. And there's like, maybe it's a bit of we don't want to talk about that. Whereas now in these kind of modern days, there's this like, a lot of vampires have this like longing and it's all, you know, you're biting the neck and it's all very sensual. And I think these days we probably have a little bit more freedom to explore that part of it and to like make them into these characters that are not just in it for evil. I think you might be onto something there. Not to say that vampires in classic literature aren't complex some of them are complex big bads but there's definitely more of a variety these days absolutely yeah i mean this is not to say that count dracula wasn't you know a very uh spoony hero mostly thanks to gary oldman in uh, (laughs) (laughs) francis ford coppola's adaptation you can't help but swoon like okay fine kill me look at that look at your little glasses and you control wolves it's great (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I feel like it's harder for a vampire to be truly scary today. Really. They tend to be just some seductive creature who you don't want to fear. You just want to understand, you know, you want to get to know them. Whereas before, you know, they they would just kill you. (laughs) I wonder what it says about modern human sense, lack 
of self-preservation. Sorry, I was just reminded of Teresa asking me to talk about Vincent, who is a character in Serpent in the Wings of Night. And uh, he he is like a definitive vampire zaddy. He's a vaddy. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That, that's a term that we're, we're bringing into the culture, I think, Corey. Like, specifically, Teresa and I. This is not a popular term, but okay. we're getting there. So, a vaddy, okay. a vampire daddy. <laughs> Dracula is the OG. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Yeah, what would Bram Stoker think? Great question. <laughs> what would Bram Stoker think of the rise of, like, vampire daddies? He'd be very confused by the term, I assume. Yeah, because he he'd be like, "Well, all aren't all <laughs> vampires considered fathers?" Yes, many have sired another creature. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to explain to him, like, "No, no, you. It's a whole different kind of daddy." It's like, excuse me. We would have to show him TikToks of Gen Z going, "Oh my god, daddy, <laughs> you know." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it'd just be a lot of TikToks under... and then Pedro Pascal. Yeah, we would just yeah. have to show, he would immediately understand. Or it would send him into a Victorian coma. <laughs> Either or. We should do a, recommenda- a book recommendations list, Corey, of books that would send Bram Stoker into a Victorian coma. <laughs> Specifically Bram Stoker. That'd be a good list. With zero context, just to confuse folks. So Kandara... How, how has the evolution, I guess, of vampires contributed to your work? Specifically, I guess we could talk about Anna Dress in Blood. Well, you know, I find it weird that I've never actually written my own vampire character. I've written, um, I wrote a short story set in the universe of the Goddess Wars trilogy, where in the early 90s, the Greek goddess Athena was mistaken by a goth kid for a vampire, but obviously she really wasn't. But I've never actually written my own vampires. And growing up, I loved vampires. I read Salem's Lot. That was one of the first Stephen Kings I read. I devoured all of the vampire chronicles. By the age of 10 or 11, I was like, Lestat. That's how I pronounced it back then, because that's what it looked like on the page. I didn't know it was Lestat. And... I was always very into, you know, those 80s vampires from the Lost Boys. And then, of course, Buffy. Buffy's like my formative, formative vampires. That's where it really hit home. So a long way from Dracula. A long way from Dracula. I, I backtracked to Dracula. I think I saw the adaptation, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's version first, and was just fixated on Keanu Reeves' acting. And then... Much later, I read the book, and I still, I don't think, the book could not supersede seeing that film in my mind. So Bram Stoker's Dracula will also just be Gary Oldman, always, to me. I think it's interesting because I haven't seen any adaptations of Dracula. I know, I know. Um, But for reading the book, it's one of those things about reading an old classic, like a really old classic like that, where it's like, oh, I get the pop culture reference now. You know, you see all of the the way Dracula is described to us in pop culture is fairly accurate to how Dracula is described in the book. (laughs) And uh, that's not always the case when these things evolve, but yeah, reading it was like, oh, I get this reference now. 
It's interesting to me, too, because Dracula is like the OG. But when you mention vampires to people, and Kendari, you wrote in every generation, and you're a Buffy fan, most millennials would probably immediately think about Buffy. There's the other one that we're not going to mention right now that they might think of first. (laughs) But that was a long way away from me, you know, watching CW on Thursdays or Tuesdays or whenever Buffy was on, you know, in my little 11 inch screen in my bedroom alone. I know that I've asked you before during live chats, but what was it like to immerse yourself in Buffy for, I guess you were writing that series for two or three years? Yeah, I I just finished up book three. I mean, I just turned it, I just turned in the final edits like a month ago. Let's be honest, it was just an excuse to rewatch the entire series. So yeah, for work. it was an excuse to play around in Sunnydale and follow those rules of vampires. I don't know if you remember, but Dracula was actually in an episode of Buffy. It was I the season of premiere, Buffy versus Dracula. He was played by an actor that I think Sarah Michelle Gellar must have known from her days on All My Children, because I recognized him as like Anton, because yes, I used to watch All My Children when Sarah Michelle Gellar was on it. And they played into, you know, the Dracula tropes of like, oh, he's he's the OG. He's like the super coolest vampire. Everybody knows him. And Spike's like, he owes me 11 quid or something just ridiculous <laughs> like that. Um, he can turn into mists. He can turn into bats. He can, you know, make people behave strangely like he turns Xander into his new Renfield and makes Xander eat bugs and call him the Dark Master. Uh, and then Xander has to play it off by saying, when he says, like, Buffy, why don't you want to go and see the Dark Master? Bader. Master Bader. So he does, like, you know, it, they make it work with the Buffy lore. But uh, I always thought that was kind of a kind of an out-of-place episode, but also one that felt like it needed to happen. Buffy was an icon by then, and she needed to face off against the original. And season five would have been, like, mid-Buffy. Late to mid-Buffy. Yes. Like, Season five would have been um, the last season that it was on the WB before it moved to UPN. I feel like you could do oh, a yeah. TED talk on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I am so looking forward to um, possibly having like a release party for the last one and being like a Buffy trivia master, like to do like a Buffy trivia game because I've just I'm, I've been absorbing all of this and you know putting all See? the references into the books. You've My been writing all your life. It's really funny because Corey is actually like the owl crate trivia champion not when it comes to buffy i've ne- i've never seen an episode of buffy oh i know i <laughs> i act don't come for me left my body i know, I know. <laughs> the whole team is offended don't worry <laughs> it's definitely one that i think you should at least try and cringe at the first episode because i sure did but then you'll, you'll get stuff several episodes in and the magic kind of ends up coming out it's so campy and it's that's deliberately weird. campy. And I think that that's probably the best thing about Buffy because there are more popular vampire fandoms, which we will talk about, <laughs> but they're accidentally campy and silly versus deliberately. All right. Let's just talk about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, vampire in the room, so to speak. I like Twilight for what it is 
I also dislike Twilight for what it is. It's like a love-hate relationship. Do you, do either of you have a love-hate relationship with Twilight? Well, Stephanie Meyer was trying to produce a film version and a TV version of Anna Dressed in Blood for a really long time. So my um, perception of Twilight is now, you know, totally biased because she's just so lovely during the whole process. My initial, when I was introduced to Twilight, I thought it was like a book for men. (laughs) because the only people who had recommended it to me were my dad who heard about it and thought I might like it. And my then fiance, but future husband who was reading it with all of his housemates, all of his male housemates were like fighting over eclipse and a book group in a maximum security prison that a friend of mine worked at the the guys the inmates were just like trading twilight books like cigarettes it was hot property so then i thought like what is this like twilight book is this like the next scott tarot like what's happening here uh and then i i found out what it was i've also heard that people being introduced especially women being introduced to twilight from a lot of men and i think that you know maybe where it started kind of got eclipsed by the whole spectacle of the thing because when i i lived in europe for two years after high school so i came back to canada in 2009 and had never heard of twilight because it wasn't over there really yet and i got back and all of a sudden i was like what is happening i was like what is this thing that everybody is talking about and so obviously i binge read the entire series in a couple days and then you know i was like oh this is really fun i don't i've never had like an attachment to Twilight, really. I understand the issues that can arise, that have, you know, um, arisen from the story, but I do think it is campy fun. I missed the whole um, time to be obsessed with Twilight, although I have been to Forks. Nice. Just an FYI. Delightful little town. Took a picture with uh, Bella's pickup truck. It's still over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forks is actually like quite close to where most of Team Al, not most of now, but a lot of where Team Alcrate lives in the Pacific Northwest. So it's kind of just like a, just across the border <laughs> situation. I believe that I, I jumped on the Twilight train pretty early because I remember buying the books as they released. Um, and I loved them for what they were at the time, but they didn't really scratch the itch that I'd wanted because one of my favorite paranormal romance series is Christine Feehan's Carpathians. So like the Dark Prince. I also really like J.R. Ward's Black Dagger Brotherhood. So I had already read a lot of like the adult version of vampire romance. So I was like, this is good, but it's not like, it's good, but it's not fourth wing, you know, as far as like an example that I could provide. And then I thought that it just kind of got progressively a little bit sillier in like a really fun way. And I'm also probably one of the only people who likes the movies more than the books. I I get that. I get that because they're ridiculous. Like they're like the books are ridiculous in a a fashion, but the movies are like actually ridiculous. Like all of the memes. (laughs) All of the memes, the gold and like carrying the hard boiled eggs and just like the awkward pauses and things like that. Like you can't get that out of a book. I could just put that movie on in the background and go on with my day and be happy. (laughs) Also, the soundtrack is fire. It is. That's true. They nailed that. 
They were brilliantly cast, though, weren't they? Like yeah. the casting decisions, just beautiful. I 100% agree, because a lot of the time folks get really up in arms about casting decisions, but they really nailed those. You know, I'm sure when they announced the cast, people hated it. I'm sure. <laughs> but I, I wasn't there at that time, but I think they're perfect. And also, I don't know if you've ever watched the like commentary that Christian Stewart and Robert Pattinson do of the Twilight movie, and they're just like so candid. It's hilarious. I highly recommend it if you haven't watched the like live commentary that Christian and Robert Pattinson did. It's gold. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. That sounds fabulous, actually. Just knowing how they both feel about the series now and their their time on it, like I want to hear this Robert commentary yeah. for sure. They're very candid and it's great. <laughs> I would love to do a Twilight watch party in the nest. That would be fun. But with wine. A little bit of wine. <laughs> Not a lot. Enough wine to ignore Renesmee's CGI. Okay. Nothing could forgive it. <laughs> It's interesting, though, how much Twilight has impacted, specifically YA, because almost every single romance that involves a vampire out there is in some way, just like any book that has a game in it, it harkens back to the Hunger Games. It gets described as Hunger Games-esque. I don't think that you could write a YA vampire romance and not have it compared to Twilight. It's like a cultural icon at this point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. We're decades away from it not being compared. We may never get to that point. I mean, these books were huge. I, I don't know if I even fully recognize just how much of a worldwide phenomenon, like those midnight release parties, like people, you know, Twilight proms. It was it brought an entire generation into reading. And apparently it crossed, you know, across genders, it crossed age groups. So whatever you think about Twilight, love it, hate it. I mean, it did all those things. It brought a lot, a whole generation into reading. If any, if nothing else, it gets props for that. It's almost like what started the birth of YA. Yeah, almost as it like becoming this big discussion point. I actually carry Edward Cullen with me every single day. <laughs> what does it say? I have a sticker on the back of my phone that says stupid shiny Volvo owner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Very good. Let's talk a little bit more about adaptations in TV shows and movies. Because Corey, I know you love that so much. What's your favorite vampire movie? Um, well, that's not the note that I made. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a vampire movie. Oh, well, Twilight, but outside of that, I don't know that I ever have. I'm sure that I have, but that's the only thing that comes to mind. But I could say TV show if you'd like. Oh, yeah. And I was joking about this. Um, our team was chatting about our favorite vampires um, before this, and my legit first answer that came into my brain when I asked myself, what's my favorite vampire, was the Count from Sesame Street. Oh, Like, am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that's not wrong. That's adorable. He is, and you know, he's so often overlooked. Right? Underappreciated. Um, but I was like, <laughs> this is how, like, uncultured it is when it comes to, like, TV series and vampires and things like that. 
that I've seen right. and like my first thought is legitimately Sesame Street. <laughs> and you know what? I love that for me. <laughs> I mean, he's probably inarguably the most popular television vampire, if you think about it. And potentially unproblematic. Most unproblematic. <laughs> and yet left out of crown. the vampire discourse. You never it's hear truly him discuss truly in terms unfair. of his vampirism. <laughs> I don't want to Google otherwise. We're just going to pretend that he is entirely unproblematic and nobody's ever written any <laughs> weird fan fiction. Oh my goodness, Jordan. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Don't ruin Oh no, this podcast is spawning some kind of weird Sesame Street count <laughs> fan fiction in which someone will decide how he eats and we really don't want to know. I mean, oh, it's cookies. The victims. He counts it's the numbers. He eats numbers. This is what we know. Does he? Yes. Is that canon? Yes. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Are you on the Sesame Street Wikipedia? No, but I watched it as a child. <laughs> nice. He eats numbers. Entirely unproblematic. Nothing weird here. Um, the, the movie that has stuck with me forever has been 30 Days of Night. Kendara, have you ever watched mm-hmm. that movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's the vampires the one, in the Alaska. Josh Hartnett. Town. Yes. Josh Hartnett, and it's set in Alaska during their dark times, where they only get like an hour's worth of daylight. I I watched it recently, and it wasn't as scary. But when I was a teenager, I was like legitimately terrified, and I don't do spooky anything. That's but I will one. remember like the teeth as they open their mouths. I don't. Ooh. Okay. I think all vampires should be either for children or sexy. And I'm just going (laughs) to say that now. I don't think they should be scary. Yeah, like Buffy, the Buffy vampires are like sexy and a little scary and sort of for children. So they kind of like hit all the, you know, I'm thinking of of the episode of Angel where Angel gets turned into a Muppet. So like for children. (laughs) There were some weird Buffy and Angel episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The show's weirdness was, uh, I mean, they, they made it all work. But um, what about the vampires from, like, Anne Rice's vampires? That's got to be probably my favorite vampire film is Interview with the Vampire with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt with a side, a uh, little side, you know, a side salad, we'll call him, a side salad of Antonio Banderas. And... Uh, <laughs> My God, Tom Cruise just donned that blonde wig and chewed through scenery like his life depended <laughs> on it. It's truly a thing of glory. I have I have seen that movie, and it is good. But you know what movie 13-year-olds, no, 12-year-old me really liked? Queen of the Damned. I was just going <laughs> to say that. I know, I think it's a universally panned at this point, but when I was 12, those were some hot vampires. <laughs> Who is the actor from that? Yeah, Stuart Stuart Townsend, Townsend, right? You can't deny he had it going on. 12-year-old me didn't know better. (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to believe that there's any red flags with that movie. It's just going to live forever in my 12-year-old head, you know? Well, what a performance from Aaliyah. Yes, classic, Her final performance. But she really... um, she really owned that role in an interesting way, I thought. Almost serpent-like to watch mm-hmm. her. The Absolutely. way that she moved, the way that she delivered the lines. Yeah, her portion at least was excellent. I will not speak to the rest. 
I haven't watched it since, and I will not, so it'll remain a diamond in my mind. As it should. We do have some pre-asked questions, if you'd like. Sure. I, I didn't send them to you, uh, Kendara, because we just asked them on Instagram. And Books and Diet Coke asks us, why do you think Stephanie Meyer changed vampires in the way that she did, in brackets, and make them sparkly? I think about that a lot, actually, vegan vampires. Well, their version of vegan. <laughs> I think, I think it was just, honestly, because, you know, the classic vampires get burned by the sun, you know, burn their skin, they'll die or whatever um, in their classic stories. It makes a, a vampire more appealing to have them not be destroyed in the sunlight. But also, B, it just added a lot more potential for story. Like, these vampires could exist in the light. It they would obviously avoid direct sunlight, but these vampires could exist. Is that an exciting answer? No, but I think it's a, a it was a wise story choice, to be honest. I definitely thought it was interesting. And I thought it was interesting because they sparkled because their skin hardened into like a diamond kind of situation. Is that That's right, right? I'm not misremembering. So uh, a lot of Different writers have done different things with vampire physiology. Um, Anne Rice's vampires are slightly different than, say, you know, Lost Boys vampires and, and Dracula and what they can do. So I think there is a lot of license with what, if you want to make your own vampire, just have them be slightly different. And that was an interesting way to go. And, you know, it, it, it really added a layer of having it be set in super cloudy forks. Although I yeah. always wondered if she ever came out here for the summer because it's super sunny. And Edward would just be like, in the house all the time, super bored. True that. <laughs> of Pages and in Ink asks, if you had the option to be turned into a vampire, would you? I'm going to add another layer. You get to choose the type of vampire you get to be. So like from which story kind of thing? Okay. Jordan, do you have an answer for this? I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, but only if I could change my kiddo and have it not be horribly painful. Because I would not like to live forever without my child. That sounds like a bummer. Bad vibes. Um, my immediate answer is, I didn't write a note for this because, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to be a vampire. I don't want to live forever. Um, I would like a regular length life. Thank you. And I want to eat regular things and go out in the sun. Even though I really do hate the sun. So in theory, I should make a good vampire because... The less sun, the better. But <laughs> no, no, I, I'm good with being human. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes I think it'd be fun to just live longer so you could see stuff, you know, just basically be a watcher and see what happens. But ugh, I mean, would you have to participate in life? Because right. past a certain point, I don't think I want to participate anymore. I just want to like see it. That's the uh, whole blood drinking thing, which I'm not really keen on. Yeah, but you know, they make it sound... That's like the 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 commonality in all of these vampires. You never see a vampire sucking on a neck and going, oh, yuck, oh, it's so, this is so not good, I'm so not enjoying this. this. They really do true. seem to like it across the board. So that's <laughs> that's a plus. That's true. And I don't know, I'm trying to think of like, if I was a vampire, I'd probably try to be one of the Anne Rice vampires. Because... It just feels like they're harder to kill and um, there's fewer of them. So I could potentially just never run into another vampire, which suits me fine. And there's a lot more nightlife these days. So just because I couldn't True. go out in the sun, I, I might not miss anything. 
I mean, there are like plenty of cities that do live in the land of the midnight sun, so to speak. So, Book Hermit 7 asks, are there any vampire books that are new or releasing soon that you're excited about? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? I have a couple. Sure. One is uh, released last year. 2022, which is Silver Under Nightfall by Rin Chepeko, which I haven't read yet, but I hear is absolutely fantastic. And then a 2024 release that I'm like, have been waiting years for is A Tempest of Tea by Hafsa Faisal. Really, really excited for that book. It's going to be soon. Finally, the wait will be over. I didn't know that had a vampire element. Now I'm even more excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the description it does. So fingers crossed. I'm going to recommend Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Marino-Garcia. It was actually one of the only books I've ever picked up that was genuinely spooky, but I still really loved it because it was a great story. So check that one out. I mean, she's a great author anyway. Her most famous one, I think, is Mexican Gothic, right? And you will never look at mushrooms the same if you read that book, let me tell you. It's Um. disturbing. I don't know anything (laughs) about the mushrooms. Is it like a Last of Us situation? I've never seen it. I don't know. (laughs) But Daddy Pedro. (laughs) I admire him from afar. Um, Vampire book recs that are coming out. Um, Let's see. there's There's a series that's currently just releasing in the UK by Amy McCaw. It's called Mina and the Undead is the first book. And then Mina and the Slayers is the second book. And book three isn't out yet. That one's very good. It has a lot of 90s vampire vibes. Similar 90s vampire vibes, or actually this would be like 80s vampire vibes, is In Nightfall by Suzanne Young. That one just came out kind of recently. For it was so good. Up, I mean, you know, Stephanie Garber's new one. I, I never think of it as like a vampire book. But there's there's vampires and a vampiric element, so I think it counts. And oh, I'm blanking. You know, whenever somebody <laughs> asks for book recs, I'm like, totally. yes, a million. And then I'm like, not a clue. It's, they're all... How, how about your your book that's coming out? Oh yeah, hey my <laughs> book, um, which is not even my book. It's a Buffy book, so I I don't even feel bad recommending it. Um, Buffy the Buffy the Next Generation number three comes out in it got moved, so I don't know. It comes out sometime in April of 2024 now, and uh, that's the last one. In Every Generation was the first one. It's a fun little return to Sunnydale. So could a person read those books if they've never seen Buffy? You could. I've heard um, from people that if you haven't read Buffy, it's just kind of like a fun and fun and funny little paranormal adventure, um, urban fantasy kind of thing. But if you do watch Buffy, that's where you get the whole experience because I am not shy with the Easter eggs. <laughs> that's probably for the best. You could even do like a brief overview of Buffy and still jump right into the series. It's great. Give it a try. My first love is books asks, would you be happy or scared if you found out your best friend was a vampire? (laughs) I'd have questions first. (laughs) Like, are you, do you feel the desire to drink my blood? Because if so, that's probably a sketch. But if not, we're cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd wonder when it happened. Oh, me, like, yeah. is this a recent revelation or, or has, has it, it been, been 11 years? All along. Right. 
what made you comfortable enough to tell me? Yeah. Why would, why didn't you tell me right away? (laughs) I I guess you can't lead with it or you wouldn't have any friends if you were a vampire. Right. You don't want friends that are just like vampire chasers. Just they're only friends (laughs) with you because you're a vampire. Yeah. That's not cool. I don't think my best friend, if my best friend was a vampire, I think she would take it very badly. It would be a, a all hands on deck situation. There'd be a lot of vampiric anxiety around. She would have many, many questions. I don't think she'd survive very long. She just, um, she's the kind of person where if something goes wrong on the highway, say, like I take the wrong exit, um, I'll catch her grabbing the door handle to like just jump out because, uh, that's, that's her solution, just to blow up the car and walk <laughs> away. Um, if we're in a canoe and she kind of gets like a, hey, I think there's like a, I don't know, it's getting windy. Well, she's going to think about jumping out. So <sighs> don't ask. So her reaction is sense. to just bail? Yes, her reaction <laughs> is insta-bailing. <laughs> so she would be insta-bailing from this new vampiric adventure. I have a, I have a question to ask both of you. If... Think about an author, okay, who, if it was found out that they were a vampire, which author would you just be not surprised about? Interesting. Which author would you be not surprised with a vampire? Oh, maybe like Lee Bardugo? In like a cool way, you know? She'd be a cool vampire. <laughs> I'm going to say Sarah J. Maas. I was going to say Victoria Schwab. They're all friends. Great. <laughs> Oh my god, they're a coven. Gee, no. <laughs> they're, what is that called? A nest? Not a nest of vampires. Oh, that's just To be very clear, we are not calling <laughs> Sarah J. Master leave our Bardugo vampires, but nor would we be surprised if they yeah. were. We're just saying if they do turn out to be that, it's fine. They can go ahead and tell us. I mean, they. I don't know why they have to be so secretive about it. That's all we're saying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, very lastly, do we have any book recommendations with vampires? I'm going to go first in Every Generation by Kendara Blake. Yay. <laughs> uh, and special shout out to Empire of the Vampire. Because that was a super gruesome, violent book and it was so much fun. Um, I'm going to go old school and recommend Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. Because she did pass away semi-recently. And so, you know. This is what she's left us is iconic vampires with uh, lovely, lovely erotic subtext. (laughs) Um, Mine's again, kind of a classic and it's Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Um, One of the very few books I've ever read that have genuinely scared me when I read them. I don't get, I don't get fear easily when I'm reading a book um, and Salem's Lot did scare me. And also uh, I want to shout out, this is on my TVR, but I haven't read it yet, but I'm just so excited. But it's the short story anthology that Vampires Never Get Old that came out a couple of years ago. And First Kill, the Netflix series, was based on it by V.E. Schwab. It was based on one of the short stories in that collection. I haven't read it yet, which is a shame, but I'm very much looking forward to it. And there you have it, Book Owls. We hope you enjoyed our chaotic journey into fangs and fiction with us. And as we wrap up, we want to thank Kendara. Kendara, thank you for joining us today. Yay, thank you for having me. And we wish to thank our listeners for listening in. Remember, if you have enjoyed what you've heard, hit that subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't worry, we don't bite. Probably. 
And tune in next time as we host a Halloween party right here on Lost in Plots. Happy reading. Bye.